The other day, it was like August. I'm just praying and I'm feeling really discouraged. I'm feeling like, uh, where is God? What is God doing? What's happening with my life? And so I'm praying and I said, God, I need you to speak to me. God, I need you to encourage me. I need you to give me something. I need you to let me know that you are real. Let me know that you're there. Here I am, God, speak to me. Nothing. I get nothing. No Bible verse, no warm feeling, no imagery, no picture, no angel, nothing. I get nothing. And so I figure out, well, God's not speaking to me, so I'm going to game the system. And I've got a little hack for the times when God doesn't speak to you. And that is, I just go to my journal and I read the last time that God spoke to me, because I write it down, just so that when I get to these points in my life, when I feel like God is, is not giving me enough encouragement, I can go back to something when I knew that he encouraged me. And so I, I flip back in my journal, and I found the last time that I actually said that God had spoken to me, and it was worthwhile noting in my journal. Now, don't judge me, but it was four months earlier. Uh, it had been four months since my last time of, time of being really encouraged by God, feeling like he'd spoken to me. And I, I remembered this time, and I knew that it was significant because I'd written the story. And what had happened is I'd gone to preach at a different church, not Metro, just a, a regular normal church. And I'd gone to this church, and I'd preached. And at the end of it, a random woman came, put an envelope in my hand. It was a card. I got home, I opened the card. The card read, I believe that God has given me a word for you. That's why I wrote it in my journal. And the word is, well done, good and faithful servant. Matthew 25, you've been faithful with a few small things. God's going to give you many things. And I read that word, it's the parable of the talents, and it's one of the most famous kind of passages that you can have uh, out of all of Jesus' teachings. And so I read that, but immediately I had this kind of reaction, and I, I just, it was like I, I wanted to ask God, I said, God, just a couple of questions for clarification. One, is this really a word from you? Was this really something that you were saying to me? Or was this just like a renter word from a nice person who means well, who's just going to give me, and basically it's a nice card, put it on the mantelpiece, feel kind of warm, but it's just, it's just humans, it's just people. It's just people, very nice and very kind, trying to, was it really from you? Second question, point of clarification. If this really was from you, is it still true? Because this is like a few months ago. And all this stuff about entering into your master's joy and, and receiving what God has given and this kind of sense of encouragement, I don't feel like I'm anywhere close to it. In fact, I feel like I'm further away from it. So has this reached its end of use by expiry date or does it still hold today? And you know what? I honestly felt a kind of peace. I kind of felt the presence of God, and, and so I, I, I wasn't any great trumpet from the sky, but I just thought, you know what, I'm going to take it. That even though things are difficult, and even though there's discouragement, and there's plenty of things that could be better, I'm going to take it that God actually still is with me, and that this is still a good word. I went about my day, I went to work. A couple of hours later, I was just working in the office, and I needed to uh, get hold of a picture to put on our website. And so I went to Facebook to uh, download some stuff. And when I went on Facebook, I saw that someone had sent me a message. I looked closely, and I realized it's the same random woman. She has sent me a message on Facebook. I'm thinking, wow, that's a coincidence. Because I was just reading the word that she said. And I opened up her message to me and it said, Dear Philip, I was praying for you this morning and I was praying for Metro. 
And I felt that God told me very specifically to give to you the very same word that I gave to you a few months ago. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few small things. God's going to do greater things with you. Matthew 25, the parable of the talents. I look at the timestamp, and it was from the very moment, two hours earlier, where I had been praying on my knees, crying out, God, is it still real? Is it still true? That very, to the minute, that message was sent by that woman. And I had two responses. First, I thought, do you know what? Maybe, just maybe, God is real. I mean, maybe it is actually all true. And my second response is, do you know, I really need to look at that parable again. Because if I'm totally, completely honest with you, if I can be frank and earnest with you right now, I get words like this, and I kind of think, eh, this is nothing, it's not profound, it's not, it's not incredible, it's not unusual, it's kind of standard. But maybe I've missed something. Maybe there's something that I haven't seen here. Now, the whole point of parables, now we're looking at the parable of the talent today. The whole point of parables is that they are tales of the unexpected. Jesus sets up a story and there's a kind of setup and then there's a progression and then there's this kind of payoff and this twist ending and it usually throws you off. You know, suddenly the Samaritan is the good guy. Whoa, didn't see that one coming. What? Uh, and it, it gets inside your brain. It gets underneath your skin and you suddenly realize, oh my goodness, this is, this is something un just unexpected and it makes it so much more memorable. And with a parable, you find out Jesus wants you to know two things. One, he wants you to know something about God, who God is. But two, he wants you to know something about you. And you always find yourself in the parable. Sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes you identify with the right person, sometimes you find that you've identified with the wrong person. Oh no. I think I'm the older brother. I better do something about that. And you find yourself in these stories. So we're gonna look at the parable of the talents because I believe that this is not just a word that was given to me to look at and take another look again, but I think it's for us as a church. So let's read again what Jesus said. It's in Matthew chapter 25 and Jesus says this. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one, one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two bags more. But the man who'd received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who'd received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, 
I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. It's a crazy story. It's a tale of the unexpected. It takes a little bit of unpacking because it's heavily embedded in a kind of first century agricultural Palestinian culture. But you, um, you, you just see this really, really interesting thing. And I wanted to encourage us this evening. And I want us to look at it by asking a couple of questions. And the first question that we have to ask ourselves, the question you have to ask yourself about this parable is this. What does God want from me? What does God want from me? Now, if you're here and you're not sure about faith, this is probably not the question that you're asking. The question that you may be asking is, is God real? Or is this true? Or can I trust my life to this? And those are great questions, and they're great questions to ask. And we want to invite you and encourage you to go on a journey of faith. We specialize, as a church, we specialize. It's our chosen topic. Uh, We specialize in helping people find Jesus, being a space where it's okay to doubt, okay to question, okay to uh, just tease things out and, and find your way to faith over time. That's fine. We've had people in this church who've been in the church for months and months and months as atheists, but just trying to figure it out, kick the tires, pop the hood, figure out, does this thing really run? Is it trustworthy? And that's fine. But once you come to faith, once you commit your life to Jesus, you have to ask yourself the question, what does God want from me? Because if you think that all that God wants from you is believe in me, then you need to hear this parable really, really closely. And the way that we figure out what God wants from us, he spells it out. He actually puts it in the words of the master. So the things that the master says to these servants give us the idea of this is what God is looking for. This is what makes God happy. This is what gets God excited. So let's look. And these are the words that were given to me in my little card and my little Facebook message. So these are the ones that we really need to focus in on. It says this, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. So here's the question. What made the master happy? Why did he say the servant was good? What's the answer? (laughs) Lex, say it for them. It's faithful. Let's look at that word. It, it, it goes in twice, just in case you have any uh, uncertainty about the matter. Just to make it really, really clear what God is looking for, he repeats it twice. He underlines it, highlights it. He says, well done, good, and faithful. Everyone say faithful. 
faithful. Everyone say faithful. faithful. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. You're faithful and you have been faithful. And that is really, really great. There was no difference between the guy that had the five bags of gold and the two bags of gold. Little side note, by the way. If you ever read this um, Bible parable in a different translation, uh, the kind of the standard one would be uh, the parable of the talents. The NIV, the modern NIV, has kind of changed this and translated it as bags of gold. Because sometimes when we hear talent, we think, oh, ability, uh, aptitude, things that you're good at. You're, you're kind of, hey, I can play the piano. It, and, and that's not what the main thrust of what Jesus was saying is all about. It, a talent is literally a weight, a weight of gold. And actually, if you do the maths, um, the, the, the sums that Jesus uh, is talking about, a talent uh, was around about, the, one talent is the equivalent of, this is going to blow your mind, but it's the equivalent of 20 years of a wage for a normal manual labor. Most people were manual laborers. This is 20 years of salary. This is, it's a phenomenal huge amount. Translate that into our economy in our kind of scale and you're literally in the millions of pounds. So it's a big, big deal. But it didn't matter. It was immaterial whether you had five bags of gold or whether you had one bag of gold or whether you had two bags of gold. In fact, the guy with the five bags and the guy with the two bags, they produced different returns but the master praised them equally and they got the equal reward from the master. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful. I want faithfulness. God is looking to us for faithfulness. In fact, if you look at the word faithful there, the, the word that's translated faithful, it's actually the Greek word is the same root word that we have for belief. Whenever the Bible says you must believe in God. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him, that word, the Greek word, it, it's pistua. That kind of root word, it's belief or trust or faith. Whenever you hear the word belief or faith or trust in the Bible, I guarantee you, nine times out of ten, they're all the same word. It's the word for committing yourself. It's the word for someone being faith worthy of your faith. You put your trust in someone. In other words, this, and this is the first twist. God is saying... It's not just that I want you to believe in me. I believe in you. You may feel weak in your faith. You may feel like you're having a difficult time. You may have identified with what Matt was saying when he was leading us in worship. You may think it's not been easy for me. You may feel like you don't have the same Bible knowledge as the person next to you. You may feel like you're not like some of these other Christians that just seem to float through their lives and God's always there for them. God says it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're a five-bag guy, two-bag guy, one-bag guy. It, it, it doesn't matter. God says, I'm believing in you. I believe in you. When we come to faith, it's not just a matter of, well, I've got to believe in God. Well, I've got to go to church. Well, I've got to read my Bible. Actually, God says, I want you to be faithful. Following Jesus means you now take on responsibility. He doesn't say, well done, good and believing servant, or well done, good and knowledgeable servant, or well done, good and really talented, able servant. He says, you're faithful, you are faithful, and that 
is what I value. One day, each one of us gets to stand before God. One day, each one of us gets to see Jesus face to face. And the thing he's going to be looking for from us, from you, from me, was I faithful? Because that's what God is looking for. What does God want from me? He wants me to be faithful. He wants me to be someone who can pay back the trust that he has put on me. Because God says, I see you, I know you, I look upon you, and I believe in you. I believe in you more than you believe in you. I've got confidence in you. I'm putting my trust in you. And I'm going to give you certain things which are very, very precious to me. Because I believe in you. I, I, I have my faith in you. We've just been singing, great is your faithfulness. About how God is faithful. But God sings to us, you have been faithful. He says to these servants, great is your faithfulness. You've been really, really faithful. So here's the second question. You have to ask yourself the question, What does faithful look like? If faithful is a thing that God is looking for from us, we need to ask the question, what does that look like? What does faithful actually look like? You see, some people think that faithful looks like, well, what God has given me, I just hold on to it. Some people think that faithful is, I'm just keeping it all together. We were talking this morning about church because obviously we had our morning service. We are launching a brand new thing. We're stepping out. We're on the ragged edge. We're moving into the unknown. We're doing something which is a little bit risky. Doesn't quite fully make sense on paper, but we do it because we love Jesus and we want to go for it. Uh, But many churches, they will say, you know, we have been faithful. We had this little congregation and we've held on to them. And that's faithful. Or we didn't give up. We didn't lose our faith. We didn't lose our heart. But actually, those things are great. Those Don't get me wrong. Those are wonderful things. But actually, what faithful looks like is someone taking something that God has given them and doing something with it. The five bad guy, the two bad guy, they both took that money. And instead of just putting it in a place where it could be safe, which is what the one bad guy did, they risked. They went for it. They extended. They were bold. They were courageous. They had some wacky ideas. They thought, you know, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. We're going to go for it. And we're not told how they did it. That's immaterial. All that we're told is they had what they were given and they increased it. They multiplied it. And each of them was rewarded equally. You've been faithful with a few small things. In your case, five. In your case, two. doesn't matter. I'm going to give you both great things. You get great things. Great things for you. Great things for you. You get a car. You get a car. You get a car. It's this amazing, they all get this incredible reward from God. But the guy who does the thing that looks like regular faithfulness, which is, I held on to the stuff. I preserved it. I kept it. In fact, he even gives it back to him using legal language. Here is what belongs to you. That's like a legal transaction. It means I received the bag and I've been faithful and I've kept it and I've safeguarded it and I didn't risk anything. And here is what belongs to you. We are done. I have been good. God says, this is the unexpected twist. That's not what I'm after. That's not what faithful looks like to me. Actually, faithful looks like someone that went for it, risked everything, and invested. 
So this is my definition of what faithful means. Faithful means doing what you can to multiply what you've been given, no matter how small. These servants, they're not compared against one another. It's not a competition. It's not like you look at another person who's a follower of Jesus and you say, well, I'm not as good as them. Or you look at another person's situation or their faith or or what they're able to achieve. Well, I'm jealous of them. Actually, you have your thing and God has entrusted you with what you've got and it's really precious and it's really important to him. All you have to do, whether it's a small stuff or big stuff, Just be faithful. Take what you've got, invest into it, and make a return for the master. With Metro, with Metro, we might be small or we might be big. We might have one service, two services. We might have plants all over the city. It doesn't matter. We might be smaller than all the other churches in the city. We might be bigger. It doesn't matter. Whether we are small or whether we are big, it doesn't matter. All that matters for us is to be faithful. And to be faithful means we're investing what God has given us and trusted us with so that it produces a return. That's what multiplication is all about. What are we talking about? We're talking about that which is most important to God. What, in fact, I'm going to try this again. I know this is a bad idea. Uh, but it's genuinely not a trick. But shout out to me. What is most important to God? Uh, that's also true. <laughs> that's true. I can't deny that. But generally, what does God love? Yes. God loves people. And for each one of us, God has entrusted us with people. He's given us friendship groups. He's put us in workplaces. He's given us university course mates. He's given us flatmates. He's given us neighbors. He's given us family. He's given us work colleagues. He's given us people that we have influence and and relationship with. And actually part of what we are called to do is to to take risks, to go out on a limb, to do all that we can in order that we might see God do something, produce return. Actually, he has given us one another, which is why as a church we say we're here to help people find Jesus, love one another, then follow Jesus. Why? Because we want to invest in one another so that we become more like Jesus, so that there is a multiplication. Someone that is finding Jesus. You know, last week we baptized Saoirse. And uh, I want to give a big shout out to Chaz, because Chaz has been... Go Chaz. Yeah, Chaz. Because Chaz has been trusted with just inputting some of her life and passing on some of her stuff into Saoirse's life. I hope you girls don't mind me saying that stuff. But it's, it's what we love to see happen, that one person helps another in their journey of faith. And so we are multiplying what God has put inside of me. I don't just have my faith, but I'm sharing it with others. I'm multiplying, I'm passing it on. And some people will do that in amazing ways and other people will just do it in our little own small little way. I want to tell you a story about what this looks like in practice because this is something that's so, so inspiring. But if I was to ask you a question, who was the greatest evangelist, the greatest minister of the gospel of the 20th century? You'd come up with some ideas. If I was to say, who was the greatest evangelist, minister of the gospel in the 19th century? You'd come up with some ideas. But I want to tell you some stuff that is going to just make you think again. And it's a story about a guy in 1855. We don't have a picture of him, 
So we just have a question mark. We don't even have a name, uh, but he was just a guy. He was a volunteer in a church, and his job was to help with the young people. So he's in Chicago, it's 1855, and uh, his job is to help with the young people. So he helps with the young people. We do know his name, actually. I'm, I'm just trying to make the story a bit better. His name was Edward Kimball. doesn't matter. But his job was to help with the young people. He had this one young person, and God, um, he just gave him a burden for this guy. And this young boy, a teenage boy, 14 years old, his name's Dwight. And uh, he is, you know, he comes to church a bit, but then he just drops off, just disengages, checks out. And uh, uh, Edward tries to talk to him, and Dwight says, you know what, I do believe in God, but I'm going to wait until I'm an old man, and then I'm going to give my life to him. But before I do that, I'm going to have fun, party, and enjoy my life. Then when I'm old, check in, get my ticket, go to heaven, I'm done. So I'm, I'm out of church, thanks, and uh, I'll see you later in like, 80 years. And so Edward sees this guy leave the youth group, but he begins to pray. And he prays and he says, God, you entrusted me with this young boy, Dwight. I'm going to pray for him. And as he prays for him, he gets more of a heart for him until finally, after a few weeks of praying, he just feels like, I need to go and speak to this boy. He's working in a shoe shop that put him to work early in 1855. Edward Kimball goes to Dwight. He goes to the shoe shop. He goes to the manager. I want to speak to Dwight. Sorry, he's in the stockroom. At that point, he writes, he says, I, I wanted to bail. I just wanted to go out. I was too nervous. But I got my courage together and I said, can I go to the stockroom to talk to him? He said, sure. He goes into the stockroom, has a spiritual conversation with him, shares the love of God with him, the good news. God loves you. He made you. He's got a plan for you. You miss out if you live your whole life without him. Why would you want to live your life without the love of God? And right there in the stockroom, he leads Dwight in a prayer of salvation. Dwight then just blossoms. Edward pours his life into him. He takes him like a bag of gold and he just invests, 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 pours and and gives time and multiplies faith in that young guy. And here is a picture of that young man. Okay, well, that is him later on. But Dwight, Dwight L. Moody becomes one of the greatest evangelists, if not the greatest evangelist of the 19th century. He sees over two million people, two million people come to faith across America and Europe. One meeting that he's in, a 17-year-old kid uh, is there. He's called Wilbur Chapman. Um, and this kid, uh, he, he just, he'd been brought up as a Christian, but he doesn't really feel that he is still a Christian. And his mum says, could you pray with him? And so he prays with this young boy, Wilbur Chapman. This is Wilbur Chapman here. Again, he's grown up. And what happens with D.L. Moody is that he takes Wilbur Chapman under his wing. Invest, invest, invest. Disciples, multiplies. What God has given me, I'm going to pour into you. I'm going to painstakingly, you're just one person. Doesn't matter about all the millions. You're just one person. Going to invest, invest, love, support, help you follow Jesus. And Wilbur Chapman becomes his assistant and then becomes a preacher in his own right. And he goes on and then he disciples another guy, a famous guy, an old professional uh, baseball player called Billy Sunday. This guy was super flamboyant. Um, He's just an amazing guy. He goes, he does all these missions around America. He goes to this one particular place in America, um, Charlotte. 
uh, in North Carolina. And he's doing a bunch of meetings there. And he meets with a bunch of businessmen. And these businessmen say, ah, oh, Charlotte, you don't know. It's like a really godless place. Um, will you come and will you come and preach? He says, no, gentlemen. What I will do is I will invest in you. And I will invest in you. And I will invest in you. You're like bags of gold. And I'll pour myself into you. And I'll give you inspiration. But you are the ones that are going to do this stuff. And so he pours into them. And he disciples them. And he mentors them. And he invests and he invests and he invests. And then he goes off. And after a while, these businessmen, they get together and they said, right, we're going to put on a special event. Uh, and we're going to see uh, our town reached for Jesus. They reach out to a well-known, well, not that well-known, just bizarre, slightly well-known, you know, C-list preacher. His name, seriously, Mordecai Ham. Um, again, these guys, seriously. The Mordecai Ham, right? Yeah. <laughs> Didn't see that one coming. Mordecai Ham's preaching in Charlotte, North Carolina, 10th mission. Last night, 16-year-old kid, gangly, walks up. Uh, the very last person to respond to the invitation to give your life to Christ. Mordecai Ham goes over, prays with him. He says, what's your name, kid? The kid says, Billy Graham. That's 1934. If you've not heard of Billy Graham, Billy Graham is widely known to have spoken to more people in history than any other human being. He has preached live in person to 100 million people. He died at 99 um, just a couple of years ago. Around about 3.2 million people have professed to give their lives to Jesus as a result of Billy Graham's ministry. So who was the greatest evangelist of the 20th century? And who was the greatest minister of the 19th century? It's my man, Edward Kimball. Because he took what he had. And one day he stands before Jesus. In fact, it's already happened for him. And Jesus says, well done. You were good. And you were faithful. Because faithful means doing what I can to multiply what God has given me, no matter how small. This introverted, uncertain volunteer in a church who had a heart for one kid who was walking away from faith, set in motion all these things. We could go on. You know, there's probably people here who have got connections where you've come to faith through Billy Graham or your parents have come to faith or your grandparents. I mean, it's just mind-boggling. How many tens of millions of lives were touched by one guy saying, I'm going to be faithful. And that's the key. God, in the story, he presents himself as a master that goes away on a journey, is away for a long time, and leaves us as his servants to do the work. And sometimes I feel like, God, why do you go away? Why does it feel like it's down to me? Why does it feel like I'm doing this stuff and, and you're off on your journey, your, your P&O cruise or whatever it may be? A long time. And God says, yeah, but you do your business. You do your thing. And then at the end, I come in and I do the great things. He says, you've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to do great things through you. I'll take you little. I'll take you small. I'll take your struggle and your hard-earned risk-taking. And I'm going to do something so powerful through it. You cannot believe. I believe that God has chosen us. And I believe that God 
believes in us. I believe that God believes in you. God believes in you. God believes in us. And for some of you, God's given a workplace. For some of you, God's given a position of influence in where you are. It may be that you are a glamorous BBC cameraman that gets to go and film the World Cup and and goes to Ukraine and amazing things. It may be that you are just a poor, humble student, the bottom of the food chain, despised and barely credible. But God believes in you. (laughs) God believes in you. In you, And I want us to pray because I want us to see ourselves with fresh eyes and I want to see the master with fresh eyes because actually the, the, the wicked servant, the lazy servant, the, the one bad guy, he got it completely wrong. He's not a hard master. He's an amazingly generous, incredibly trusting master and he chose you. And we can have in our own little way Investment that we make that God multiplies and does great things through. That's why, again, we love mentoring. That's why we say, invite your friend. That's why we say, pray for your friend. That's why we say, Metro Prayer on Thursday morning may just be the most powerful half an hour you will spend your entire month. Because God can do some stuff with prayer. He's entrusted us with the ability to pray and see him answer prayers. And that's why with your hub, just showing up, just being part of it, just supporting, just constantly loving one another, drawing others in, you could have an amazing impact. That's why Kate's Christmas party with the kind of the, the, the funny pictures and all actually has something so profound behind it. Because we say, you could just invite a friend and you don't know where that friend will end up. And we have seen people just wander into some of our social events and then glom on to the fact that this is a community unlike anything they've ever experienced before. They want to know more. They want to engage further. And there are so many opportunities, so many opportunities for us to just do something, to do what we can with what God has given us, to multiply it, no matter how small. So I want to invite you to look at your workplace, your university, college, your accommodation. I want you to look at your your friendship group, your netball uh, gang. I want you to look at those as people and things that God trusts you with. His precious treasure, all that he loves. And God entrusted you. And God said, actually, who could I put in Goldney Hall to effect change? And he chose you. Or who can I put in that workplace, in the council, in City Hall? I believe in Alan. I choose him. (laughs) So let's pray. And I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be encouraged that God trusts us. We don't need to compare ourselves with anybody else. We don't need to worry about whether it's a small thing or a big thing, or a really, really small thing. All we have to do is to be willing. We have to say, God, I want to be faithful. So right now, I'm just going to invite you to have your eyes closed, heads bowed. I want you to take a couple moments, and I want you to think, what is the bag of gold that God has given you? What is the thing that God has trusted you with?
And even now, God's going to flash faces in your mind's eye. 